Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans. Uh, it's only going to make us better moving forward, and that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing, and it was really cool, really cool to be a part of, and, and it was special, and like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward, and, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward, and and that's the mindset, and, the, and we won't settle for less than that. And this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us. So we'll be back. This boy got a hit. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith. And E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, we are ready to get off and rolling here on this Thursday on Jaguars Today. I've concluded my darkness retreat, Tony. Uh, it was shorter than Aaron Rodgers, however. Oh, I don't know oh. if you noticed. Just you, overnight? Well, if you leave the studio to your right, my left, and go down the hallway, yeah. right, there are, are multiple bathrooms down there. There are. That, for a while, I didn't even know we're in this building, uh-huh. right? And you've got the one, like the... The, the throne room, right? It's like the solo, yep. um, you know, privacy room. You have another, like a bonus men's room down there with a shower that I can't imagine the last time anyone was actually in that shower. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Don't know if the water runs in there or not, but um, looking like a place you don't want to spend your time <laughs> trying to get clean. Anyway, yeah. lights are out in that bathroom, and if there's no exterior window, you're plunged into darkness oh. all of a sudden, Tone. And I, I look. I'm not that finicky, okay? Uh-huh. But in a shared men's room, there are some surfaces I just don't want to touch, I think. I hear you. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, fortunately, the throne room was unoccupied earlier Yeah, we used today. to have that at the um, the movie theater when I was working there. Lights out and in the bathroom? When you were working in the back, like behind concession, mm. there were no emergency lights. Oh. So if you were back there, and I was on a couple occasions where the power went out, and all of a sudden, it's just darkness. It's pitch black. Right. Like, it's okay. I'm pretty sure I was around here in the middle of this maze back here. So, I, I got my way back out of there. But, yeah, I, I know the feeling. And as you can imagine, there's not a whole lot of – there are places when you're behind concession that you don't want to accidentally stick your hand in there. And so I would think so. I understand the feeling of being in the dark and not wanting to just grope for the nearest thing, uh, despite the fact that you're in the dark. This might not be the cleanest surface to be doing that way. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I emerged from the darkness. Uh, decided I still want to play for sixty million this year. So okay. I'm going to play whether you trade me or not. If it's for sixty million, by the way, where's all the money coming from? An Aaron Rodgers deal. Have you looked at his deal at all? No. Um, you not know, because really. everyone's saying you know basically sixty million is what he's due to get. And 
in terms of yearly cash, that's what it says when you go to his contract page at SpotTrack. But his base salary is $1.1 million. Jeez. I'm not sure how that works. Right. Like a prorated portion of his signing bonus, who cares? That's already been paid out. There's an option bonus for about $14.5 million. I just don't know where it comes in at $59 million in cash. But, hey, good for him, you know. Uh, whatever yeah. the case may be. But he also has emerged from the second most important darkness retreat, sports-related. I was just sitting here. It was on the TV as we were well, coming there you in. Go. Right? And I was thinking, how absurd, right? There's, I don't think there's another position in sports on earth. Like, I think if LeBron James went for, like, a darkness retreat or something to think about retirement, mm. you know, like next offseason, yeah, that might get headlines, right, on – ESPN that LeBron James has gone into this darkness uh, to figure out what his life is going to look like in the future. But I was thinking there's no other position in football, right, outside of a quarterback. And it wouldn't be every quarterback in the league if they decided to do this that would get this kind of coverage on no, but it, when like, they went in and when they're coming out. And are they going to keep it, playing? Oh, for sure. You get it. Yeah. You know, there it's are some just, guys. It's an absurd headline to look up and say Aaron Rodgers leaves his darkness retreat. Yeah. Whatever. Like on TV, it's like, okay. I mean, like, honestly, he's not our headache, although no. he could be potentially mm -hmm. uh, if he gets dealt to a team like the Tennessee Titans this offseason. It's not crazy to think that he might sure. go there. Now, that may not be his first choice, uh, but we'll talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers today from that angle of could he end up in the AFC South and what would that do to the balance of power in the division? You know, yesterday uh, we were – looking for breakout candidates among the Jaguars. Yeah. And I honestly did not see this story until today. And it came out yesterday, and I don't know what at what point yesterday it was published at Pro Football Focus, but it was top second-year breakout candidates for the 2023 NFL season. So apparently we were doing the right uh, pace of storylines in the offseason mm -hmm. as we caught up to breakout candidate day <laughs> with Pro Football Focus. But – how now some of this is there's a lot of guys on here that did not very much at all right and like top guy on offense is Jamison Williams hardly played right and so he could be a breakout candidate based on how good a player he was before he got hurt at Alabama and on and on and on and that makes sense right but there are other guys that did play a, a fairly significant amount this year mm -hmm. but there are no Jacksonville Jaguars mm -hmm. on this list you know like you would think that Trayvon Walker, we had so many votes for him yesterday, despite the fact that you and I thought Devin Lloyd might be the better candidate. Either one would be good candidates. You know, two highly thought of first-round guys. Whether you thought of Trayvon Walker as the first overall pick or valued him at that last year, I don't know if anybody didn't value him as a first-round pick, to be sure. And mm -hmm. there's a lot more I think he can accomplish. The fact that they're not, I don't know if it's because they played X amount of snaps, something along those lines. But I would hope there would be more expectation that one, if not both of those guys, is going to put it, start to really put it together as a second-year player. Yeah, and I can only speak for, you know, what I was thinking when I was putting together my list. I've been upfront about my opinions on the pick of Trayvon Walker, on my expectations for him during his rookie year. I hope that he has a breakout second year. They drafted him number one overall right? Like they drafted him to be their edge guy. That's what they drafted him to be. 
I look at what he did his rookie year, looked at all the talk about him coming into the year, I have my doubts about it, right? And it does feel like that has bled over. Like, it's hard when you're having those kind of conversations about breakout player. I want Trayvon Walker to be the breakout player for the Jags this year, right? That'd I want be that. Great. I want that number one pick. I want him to be the double-digit sack guy running with Josh Allen all season long because I think if he's a double-digit sack guy that Josh Allen has a chance to be that 12 to 15 sack guy if he's got that on the opposite side of him. I just – I it, it's easier for me to see the path to a Devin Lloyd breakout than it is to see the path to a Walker breakout. Right, just based on my expectations for the players. At right, this point. I'm with you. Like, if I could have one of them break out, I'd yeah. want it to be Trayvon Walker. If I could have anybody truly break out, I'd still want it to be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, because I think that's the biggest impact. Like a Trevor Lawrence breakout now is got to push those touchdowns into the high 30s, mm-hmm. keeping the uh, interceptions around the same ballpark area and increasing that yardage probably five, six hundred yards. I think that's possible, honestly. For I do him. too, and I think that. Even if Trayvon Walker put in a 10-sack season, I think that's likely to have a bigger impact, the added production out of Trevor Lawrence. But uh, regardless, among those guys, among the rookies, and among the guys we are really heavily talking about yesterday, I'm with you, uh, that Trayvon Walker would be the guy. This is the depressing part. Like, the Lions drafted James Houston, I think, in the fourth round Mm -hmm. last year, if I'm not mistaken. And he had 92 pass rushes on 140 snaps last year and he had eight sacks why can't we have that guy right I mean they got Aiden Hutchinson and they spent the second pick in the draft and they got I think nine and a half sacks out of him and you know some interceptions and other plays that were game impactful yeah Uh, and James Houston just why can't we get that guy who granted is he going to keep that up if he's asked to pass rush on a full-time basis I mean, it was an ungodly rate yeah. of getting pressure and, and sacks. Hard but to imagine. Yeah. The bottom line is he got the quarterback on the ground eight times last year, and he only played 140 snaps on the entire season. Mm-hmm. That's just a little over two games' worth of snaps, and he had eight sacks. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting that level of production out of a, a mid-round pick. Uh, if you can find that guy, why can't we find that guy? <laughs> You know, and yeah. at least more consistently uh, for this team. By the way, Pro Football Focus will lean into them this morning. Ranked the top 25 edge rushers from last season. I don't know if you've looked at this list, but I think you'll find it interesting uh, to see whether or not any of the Jaguars factor in to the top 25 uh, as an edge rusher from the season that was just completed. So, uh, of course, Nick Holtz officially announced this morning just minutes ago, as a matter of fact, by the Jaguars as their new passing game coordinator. We'll touch on that as well. As Mike DiRocco stops by about 30 minutes from now, we'll get DRock's thoughts on the shifting sands of the coaching staff and a lot more. 641-1010 is the number. As always, if you'd like to be a part of the program on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or hit us up on Twitter today, I'll give you today's question of the day Mm -hmm. uh, right now, as a matter of fact, uh, and that is asking you based on Positions that are frequently mocked to the Jags in these mock drafts that we've been taking a look at for the last several weeks. Which of the positions that we gave you a listing of would you least like them to draft with the 24th pick overall? Now, keep in mind, you're going to have to figure out a little bit in your head what you think is going to happen in free agency with some of the guys that we've been talking about, like Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor. And um, you might say, hey, I'm, 
I really don't want them to take a tight end because I think they're going to get a long-term deal with Ingram. That's fine. Yeah. But you've got to factor those kind of things in uh, with that today. So the positions, and again, you're telling us which position you would least like the Jaguars to spend the 24th pick on. Right now, this has got to be one of the better polls. Uh, going, it's all between 22 and 28% on every option. That's nice. pretty awesome. Yeah. Offensive tackle is one, and granted, that's going to weigh heavily on what you think they do at the position. Safety is another one. Tight end is one frequently mocked to the Jags, and wide receiver is frequently mocked to the Jags. I think corner is also frequently mocked to them in that range, but I don't think many people would vote for that as being the least uh, favorable position for them to spend their draft capital on. Mm -hmm. So we, we left that one out. Went with some other ones that would be a little bit more closely bunched, at least that we hoped would be, and that has been the case so far. So you can vote on Twitter at my handle, at MD underscore 1010XL, but always uh, give us your thoughts at 1010XL Fat Tony and at IME2 the T. Come on, somebody. Uh, what's this I hear of a South Florida trip for you coming up? What's uh, what? Give me some specs. Please. Yeah, I'm just going to go visit my, my, my father down south. I haven't laid eyes on him on, you know, a, couple, a good little minute. So I'm okay. going to go lay some eyes on him. Then I'm going to hang out just a little bit, you know, terrorize the Oh, I know. Hang out just a little bit. <laughs> when, when are you leaving? Tomorrow after the show or, or are you leaving tonight? Tonight. 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 Oh, yeah, I catch so, that South Florida sunrise. Whose hands are you leaving us in? Uh, tomorrow? You don't even care. I don't even know. He doesn't even care. <laughs> I don't even know tomorrow. He's like, I'm not here. I don't care. <laughs> but you know, Who's I'll be tuning in, though. All right, <laughs> Tony, I'm point. going on vacation next week. I don't know I'm not. But if I were, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't care who you'd have in as co-host uh, when I was gone either. No. Wouldn't yeah. impact me all that much. All no. right. So we got a lot of uh, things to chew on today for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's do that. And uh, we welcome any of your Jaguar-related comments or questions as well. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T., you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags, Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, got a lot of places we could go here. We got D-Rock about 20 minutes away, so uh, we're eagerly anticipating Mike Duraco stopping by but uh before we get there tony let's take a minute and uh talk about one of d-rock's contemporaries jeff darlington over at espn and, and where he has come in on this aaron Rodgers saga and look we do talk about the rest of the nfl but we try to make it pertinent to the jaguars to some degree and so we'll tie this in in a moment but we talked about on monday the the bob mcginn podcast with uh, Ty Dunn on the, what is it, the Go Long TD podcast, I think, right? And the TD stands for Tyler Dunn. Something like not that. Not for touchdown. Yeah. Anyway, um, so on that podcast, Bob McGinn, longtime Packer beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, recently left, as a lot of newspaper people have, right, to, to mm -hmm. look for other avenues to uh, host his coverage. Anyway, he, as we discussed earlier in the week, pretty extensively, said that the Packers are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. That even if he were to come back, they don't want it. They really don't want him. But if he does come back, they're ready to turn it over to Jordan Love. They, like, they can't wait any longer. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to decide, are we picking up the fifth-year option on a guy that hasn't really played any kind of significant football? So they want to they get him out there and find out what they have in him, at least according to McGinn. And they're just tired of the whole Rodgers, will he, won't he, stretch it out saga doesn't show up in the offseason. Now, granted, Rodgers is not compelled to show up in the offseason, and I 
do recall Tom Brady getting a pass all those times in his career when he wouldn't show up mm-hmm. for voluntary minicamp this, voluntary minicamp that. Don't worry about it. We'll get it. Well, Rodgers had a lot of new pass catchers last year, and he sure. didn't come in early to work with those guys. So Jeff Darlington weighs in, picks up the baton from that point on, uh, where McGinn basically said, don't see him back, and if he is, uh, it's only because Rodgers is basically stubborn, says, I'm going to come to Green Bay, and they're going to show him the bench. Okay, mm-hmm. So um, according to... Not only Jeff Darlington, but Tom Pelissero. These comments, uh, first from Pelissero of NFL Media. If he wants to return to Green Bay, talking about Rodgers, obviously, as long as he's fully bought in, the Packers want him back. They had good conversations after the season. Uh, Darlington says, I had a conversation with a very important Green Bay Packers source who quite honestly believes Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers and that all this is being overhyped. He looks at the contract he signed last year and the commitment that he gave to the team and believes that at the end of the day, Rodgers will be back with the Packers. Now, look, I don't think he's walking away from that contract. No. I don't think he's walking away from that money. And he does have a no-trade clause. So he can just say, look, he can say, he can force her hand. You're going to pay me, if it's 60, you're going to pay me 60. You want to throw me on the bench? That's up to you. Seems kind of dumb, but I'm going to collect that money one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to sit here and be ready to go if my number's called. And I will pout on the sideline. Or he probably wouldn't add that part, but it probably would, <laughs> I'm guessing, be the case um, with him. Or he could say, look, I want you to trade me, but the Packers can decide what is fair trade compensation for him. Mm-hmm. And then he has to want to go to the team that is offering that compensation because there's no trade cost. So there are a lot of different hurdles to clear here. But Aaron Rodgers has a ton of control in the situation. They can't cut him because if they cut him, his salary cap hit escalates to almost $100 million, $99 million plus, whereas his cap hit right now is like 31.6. Yeah. If they trade him, they can split that cap hit up over two years if they designate it as a post-June 1st trade. And if they choose to, they could take $15 million this year, roughly $15 million next year. Okay. Right? So save themselves some room, maybe go out and get the weapons that Aaron Rodgers was always hoping they would get when he was the quarterback there, Mm -hmm. but uh, give him to Jordan Love. So that's, you know, that's that side, basically. And you could argue that McGinn would say, look, yes, I said they're done with him. He's not coming back. And I said that under conditions where, well, Rodgers wasn't bought in. He wasn't that guy. Now maybe things have changed, and who knows what he'll say, and who knows who's right in this whole circumstance. So anyway, Sports Illustrated did a piece uh, that came out uh, this morning on the five best possible fits if Rodgers splits from the Packers. And uh, some of them are absolutely no surprise whatsoever. The Raiders are ranked number one. They've got Devontae Adams, right? And maybe he feels like they're ready to win. The Jets are number two. Uh, again, good defense, pretty good weapons, in need of a quarterback upgrade big time. Seattle, interestingly, is number three, although it is – it, weird how they characterize discussions with Geno Smith. I don't know if you caught that over the weekend. They said, like their general manager, John Schneider, said, we're in it with Geno. Like, I felt like it was like almost like, oh, this is going to happen yeah. with Geno Smith. He's going to get his deal, stay in Seattle. Uh, it was a great fit. He won't break the bank like the top, top quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, he's worked this long to find himself in a good spot 
You wouldn't have to compete for the job. Makes a lot of sense. But yeah. anyway, Seattle, they list at number three. So at number four on the five-team list, I'll, get, I'll skip the five. Giants are at five. Okay. Tennessee Titans at number four. Okay. Why does he fit? Well, he joined Mike Vrabel in a winnable division, although they acknowledge, although the Jaguars might say otherwise. Also, Rodgers would get to lean on Derrick Henry, who still has plenty left in the tank. Um, maybe the Titans' handful of moves yesterday to get under the salary cap is an indication that they're going after Rodgers. They have the cap space now to at least be a realistic landing spot. They carved like $30 million off their cap yesterday, letting a lot of veterans yep. go. Um, not surprising. In the, I mean, Taylor Luan's release has been the most telegraphed move probably of the NFL offseason. That was the most obvious one that you knew was coming down the line. So why doesn't he fit? In Tennessee, potentially Aaron Rodgers. There's plenty of uncertainty on the Titans roster, especially in the offensive side. Traylon Burks, currently the number one wide out. The offensive line needs improvement. Rodgers and Henry might not be enough to beat the surging Jaguars in the division. Mm -hmm. It's nice to hear. Uh, but the Titans at least have a few studs in Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry. So the trade proposal that Sports Illustrated puts forth, you tell me, does it sound like this is reasonable? where they would give Bud Dupree, who's been a disappointment for the most part, right, in his career, and their number 11, number 42, and number 73 picks, their first, second, and third rounders. Mm -hmm. For Rodgers, all those picks this year. So no picks in the first three rounds. I don't know if they traded for any surplus ones, but their own picks in each of the first three rounds and Bud Dupree. Is that a reasonable price for Aaron Rodgers, in your opinion? Uh, Yeah, it's probably reasonable. You think so? Yeah. I'm not sure it is. Yeah. At this point. I mean, the the problem is next year, are you just transferring the problem to your locale? Well, like, they probably are. That, well, that's the thing. Is it yeah. so is it worth a one year commitment? Possibly two, possibly three, but you don't know. For Aaron Rodgers, and you're giving up your top three picks and a pass rusher. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know if that is put it this way. I think for the short term, Tennessee, for this year, would clearly be better with Aaron Rodgers than they would with Ryan Tannehill, sure. the quarterback. But over the next five years, I don't think that's a move that Tennessee is going to look back on fondly unless they win the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think that's the idea. Yeah, you'd have right. to, right? right. Like to, to make that worthwhile. Yeah, that's the idea is the, the Jaguars are coming. Right, like they're here. The Jaguars have pretty much arrived, so the window for us to be the dominant team in the AFC South is closing or closed, right? And maybe adding a guy like Aaron Rodgers reopens that, even if it is just for two or three years or whatever he's willing to play here. But it reopens that kind of end of the window for us to go win a championship. And I think for uh, the Titans, okay, if you had to give up three draft picks and Bud Dupree to feel like you're reopening that window. At the end of the run, it feels like that would be for Derrick Henry, who is your other best player. You're adding Aaron Rodgers to it. You look at the the skill position weapons, as much as Rodgers has had to say about what they have in Green Bay or don't have in Green Bay, Tennessee's one of the few places that it's worse, right, that he'd be going sure. to if he got traded because Burks is the leader of that I'll group. take Christian Watson over Traylon Burks based on what I saw last year. No doubt. Right, So it would be a step down from the skill position players that he'd be dealing with uh, there with the Tennessee Titans, and you're giving up the draft capital to really impact that. 
Tennessee doesn't have a whole bunch of cap space to go make anything happen in this offseason on top of that, right? Like, there, it's the improvement the Titans would be looking for would be Aaron Rodgers makes us a, a championship contender. That's why they would make that deal. They and, would. I don't know, though, in, in the – like. I think their I think, calculus on it is probably wrong. Like, I don't necessarily right. think that he does, but that would be the reasoning for making that deal. And, you know, talking about the Jaguars every day, if Aaron Rodgers came in the division, obviously that's a big deal, right? And that's a big step forward for the Tennessee Titans in this offseason. I'll tell you right now, next year when we're getting ready to make our picks, I'm still taking the Jags to win the South. Uh, I would say Tennessee, again, for 2023 is a better team with Aaron Rodgers. Take take Bud Dupree and those first three picks sure. off. They're a better team, but for how much longer? And I don't know. And I'm not saying they're a better team than Jacksonville. I'm saying they're a better team than they would be if they kept those picks, kept Bud Dupree, who's had like eight sacks combined in the last two years. Agreed. Um, right now, Spot Track has them at 11 million under the cap, so they're they've got some cap space to play with. Um, they wouldn't be taking on a 99 million dollar no. cap hit if they acquired Aaron Rodgers. Plus, if they can move Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they can save at least half of the money that they have allocated to him uh, in cap space. So that's another $18 million, roughly, at a minimum, that you yeah. could add. So that puts you right around $30 million under the cap. That's a pretty good starting place. It is, but there's nothing to buy right now. No, no, no. I'm saying, though, it, it, to put them in a position to acquire Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Because you're going to sure. take on – so they could do it, like – and. I understand there's nothing to buy right now. Yeah, it's they. it would be whatever improvement they get, right, would be Aaron Rodgers is in the building. That would be the Because there's the no still guys to go buy, yes. right? Like, there are no wide receivers to go. Jacoby Myers tops the market. No, I'm with you. You know, like, there's the only way they're going to get better is in the draft, and you gave up the capital in the draft that you could have used to maybe improve at some of these positions to go get Rodgers. So whatever improvement the Titans would get would be – Rodgers makes us this much better than we were without him. Now, I, I, it does feel like they're at the w- end of a window here, the Titans are. And the second half of this season was a disaster for the Titans, quite honestly. Just a disaster. You had to find a way to win two more games in a bad division to win the division, and they couldn't find a way to do it with what they had on the field for the second half of this season. So I can understand them saying, you know what, one more time, we're going all in. Right, We're going all in. If Rodgers is truly going to be available and he'd be willing to come here and play with lesser weapons than he's playing with in Green Bay and look around in the AFC South and say, I have a better chance to get there from this spot than I do currently with Green Bay for whatever reason, fine. You so, know? so, But from a Jaguar point of view. Doesn't scare me. Would you, would you rather they give up that for Aaron Rodgers or keep that and not get Aaron Rodgers? Give it up. Me too. Yeah. Because I think it weakens them over the long haul. Now, yeah. if Rodgers decides to defy expectations and plays three or four more years at a relatively high level, then that might change the calculus. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's not worth it to see Tennessee go through this, what Green Bay's going through on a yearly basis. Is he going to show up? When is he going to show up? How committed is he going to be? When are we going to know if he's going to show up? Right. And on and on and on. Now, again, Aaron Rodgers would have to agree to go to Tennessee, and he would have to look at the landscape and say, yeah, I think that's a place that gives me a chance to win a championship. Now, granted, they were the number one seed in the conference two years ago. They were. But more so than 
you know, Vegas or uh, like I think the Jets have better pieces minus the quarterback position. Yeah. And I think it would be uh, ego driven at that point, right? Like you're going to go play with those weapons in Tennessee on offense and you think me being added to the picture is going to make us a championship contender with Patrick Mahomes. Or maybe he likes Burrow. the idea of handing it 350 times to Derrick Henry maybe. as well. And Josh Allen and Trevor Lawrence on the up. You know, like I just – I think there's a lot of ego behind that, but as we know, it's not like these guys don't have egos. Oh, no doubt. You know, so who knows how all those factors – Well, it's not like Tennessee hasn't been mentioned before as a possible landing no. spot for him. And uh, he does apparently own some property in the Nashville area, but – I don't get the sense that that is where his darkness retreat is going to lead him. But what do I know? He no. just came out of the dark. I mean, so. if I were him, I'd much rather go to the Jets for sure. I think I'd – well, and they listed the Jets higher yeah. here as well. I, I wonder if Devontae Adams were not on the Raiders, would the Raiders be number one on this list? Is it just that connection with Devontae Adams? I don't know if the Raiders are – like, if you add Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders or to the Jets, who do you think is a better football team? I think it's the Jets, Jets yeah. honestly. I think – because it depends, and part of it is the proposed trade with the Raiders would have the Raiders send in the number seven pick, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. So great, you got Devontae Adams, just like you did in Green Bay, without much around him in terms of pass catching. Your defense isn't any good. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know. It, it could come down to a lifestyle decision for him, though, as well. Uh, anyway, uh, just, just kind of spinning it in a Jaguar direction there that it's not – completely out of the realm of possibility that Aaron Rodgers could be added to the AFC South. But if it costs that, uh, count us on board with the Tennessee paying that price. All right, coming up next, we got Mike DiRocco of ESPN stopping by. We'll get into the latest shuffling on the Jaguars coaching staff and more offseason issues as well. That's straight ahead. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, you know when it's time to get the true scoop on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We welcome in Mike Duraco of ESPN fame, and then we kill the music right before we get him on. <laughs> D-Rock, good morning. How are you? I'm great, fellas. How are you? I thought maybe you'd pick up from there and just croon along. <laughs> uh, yeah, I learned my lesson. No. All right. Yeah, it's a great commercial, by the way. We we do appreciate your singing abilities around these parts. How you been, D-Rock? I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. Uh, I've been pretty good. Some low-key, sitting around relaxing getting some stuff done working on some future stories so uh nice to not be running around uh you know every single day all right well we'll get to some of your current stories here in a moment but uh, it became official this morning uh Mia o'brien had mentioned this yesterday the jaguars were hiring passing game coordinator nick holtz to replace jim bob cooter uh, so there have been a handful of defections <laughs> on the coaching staff d rock uh, what do we know about holtz and uh, what do you make of the overall uh, turnover that the Jags have had on the staff so far this year? Well, Holtz is, you know, he was at uh, UNLV, uh, obviously, last year, I think. But, uh, you know, he's had some NFL experience for sure. Uh, was with the Raiders for a while um, and worked with Hunter Renfro um, and helped him develop, uh, I guess, if, if that's the way uh, we say that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been around the league for a little bit and he's an older coach. So I think it's, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, some stability there. It doesn't look like he's going to be a guy that's going to be headed, you know, uh, anywhere for two or three years. So you want a little bit of stability on your staff if you're Doug Peterson, uh, especially at that position with Trevor. So, you know, 
makes sense. Uh, I don't know much about him in terms of as a coach, um, but it seems like, uh, you know, he's been around some pretty good offenses, so that's helpful. And, uh, you know, I guess they lost, what, uh, the receivers coach? Yep. I mean, that... It, Everybody it, seems to think Chad Hall's a really good coach, yeah. though. You know, Yeah, that that's what I've heard, is that the players really, really like him. Stephon Diggs loved him. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of drop-off they'll be. Obviously, we'll have to see. But those guys, uh, you know, in Buffalo really liked him. So, uh, and he's a former player in the league, too, so that's always helpful. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, Doug Peterson really likes that experience with those guys. But uh, those are the only two. So, you know, I think if you told Doug Peterson before the season ended that he would lose just two coaches and those would be the two, I think he would have been a little upset but okay with it. D-Rock, we know – Peterson is the play caller for this offense here, which and Press Taylor's the offensive coordinator, but he's not calling the plays uh, for the Jags week to week. He had the opportunity to interview for an OC job, and the Jags blocked that opportunity. Obviously, they didn't stand in the way of Jim Bob Cooter or a couple other of the other guys interviewing in other places for what would be clear advancements. Jim Bob Cooter becoming an offensive coordinator in the league, up from pass game coordinator. Any idea why? with Press Taylor potentially going to a spot where I assume he would have the chance to have play-calling duties, the Jags stepped in and blocked that opportunity. Um, well, you know, Doug Peters has talked about the stability of having guys around the staff um, and having the offense in place for the second year in a row. And, and losing Press Taylor, who was with Trevor every single day, would mean some changes that they don't really want to have right now. It's a critical point for them because, you know, we saw that, you know, great finish in the second half of the season. But what they talked about at the end of the year was this is the time for Trevor to get a fuller understanding of the offense. This is the time for him to kind of go through and weed out what he likes, what he doesn't like, um, and to really kind of make it his own. And if you're adding a new offensive coordinator in that mix, that's probably going to set that process back a little bit because the offensive coordinator's got to kind of learn the offense um, pretty much as he goes. So, um, and I think Doug Peterson has plans for Press Taylor eventually. Um, he really likes press. They've been together for a while. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in, you know, a year or so, he gives press the opportunity to call some plays now and then. Um, but, uh, you know, press wants to be an offensive coordinator, probably wants to be a head coach in the NFL. So eventually, um, you know, he might decide, hey, I got to go somewhere else because I want to call plays. But I think keeping him this year was really important for Trevor Lawrence in this offense. You get that extra zero or so on that paycheck mm -hmm. when you're the head coach. That is helpful. That I, is helpful. I'd like to give it a try <laughs> myself. Uh, Mike DiRocco of ESPN here with us. Uh, DRock had a story come out yesterday on the website about uh, Trevor Lawrence. And uh, DRock, I'd characterize kind of where his headspace is, right? Heading into season number three. Uh, what is, in putting this story together, what did you learn? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still bothered by that loss. In, in Kansas City, and, and you would say, yeah, no kidding. But, you know, sometimes those losses don't linger. Um, you know, guys are really good at kind of putting that stuff behind them and looking towards the future, but he's still kind of bothered by that. And he feels like, you know what, we, we let an opportunity get away. And, um, you know, we could have won that game, and, and now we feel like we're one of the best teams in the AFC, and now we've got to come back with that kind of mindset, and we have to come back and – don't think that we're just going to pick up right where we left off. We have to put in the work and put in the effort and, and do all the things that we did to get us to that point last year. This time, let's start doing them right from the beginning of the season, right from when training camp starts. 
you know, you were you had the opportunity to obviously be around uh, the first two years here for Trevor Lawrence and the first year, as we've talked about over and over again, chaotic uh, with everything that was going on in that building. But he stepped up to the microphone every week, and there were moments early on in the season. We've talked about the 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 interception that he threw against Denver, the interception that he threw. Uh, against Houston here at home, and then somehow they got it turned around. So for you, looking back over the course of the first two years, covering Trevor Lawrence and having the opportunity to talk to him after a divisional loss in the playoff round, what has impressed you the most about Trevor Lawrence through those two seasons? Um, You know, he talked about, he heard the talk about being a bust, um, but he said it didn't impact him. Um, He talked about... um, you know, the questions about after every game when they lost and, and him standing up there and, and basically breaking down every single interception. Every Someone would ask him, you know, what happened on this interception? What happened on that one? And he would stand there, break it down, and, and take the responsibility for it, even sometimes when it wasn't his fault. So just the professionalism that he exhibited in terms of the leadership and in terms of being sort of the rock there, I guess, when all hell was breaking loose around him back in 2021. Um, uh, you know, that to me just impressed me about how he handled himself. And, you know, and, and, you know, the coaches talk about that and the players talk about that. I mean, were there times where he probably could have done stuff a little bit better in terms of handling himself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happens to everybody. But just the way he was able to handle himself and conduct himself, um, you know, throughout all of the crap that was going on around him was the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, by the way, uh, the bus talk did bother him, or he, he wouldn't remember it, so, <laughs> right. you know. Right. I, I, like, I didn't, yeah, I it, heard it, but it didn't let it impact me. Right, like, well, I, I, it I may know, not have you know. impacted him in a negative way, right, but it, it definitely, I mean, these guys have long memories, and they like to remember every slight, and you know, certain so, guys will bring up what a certain beat writer said about him six years later. You know how these guys are, D-Rock. True. But to be honest with you, I mean, those of us that were around that team every day, and, and you know, we talked about it on, on your show uh, a bunch. I mean, he wasn't a bust. I never thought he was going to no. be a bust. None of us did. Um, you know, now were there some media people that probably did? Yeah, there were some national media that did, but I don't ever recall any of the local Jacksonville media sitting there going, yeah, this kid's in trouble. He's not going to be any good. I think we all understood what he was going through to a degree in 2021. And if you didn't factor that into your thoughts about Trevor Lawrence and his development, then you just really weren't paying attention. Now, there were there was a certain subset of, I don't even know if it was Jaguar fandom, but in the Jaguar discussion, uh, you know, in like the social media sphere that, I don't know if they just, are just naturally unhappy people or they thought, you know, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like that, that always destined to be burned. a bust. It, right. And I get that, but everything should be taken on a case by case basis. Anyway, let's shelve that for now. You should go read uh, Mike DeRocco's story on Trevor Lawrence. If you haven't already at ESPN.com, DeRock, you also weighed in uh, with the, the big off season questions piece for all the different teams. And the question is, can the Jaguars re-sign both right tackle Juwan Taylor and tight end Evan Ingram, given the cap restraints? And you think that, it, without putting words in your mouth here, looks like you think they will get something done with Evan Ingram that Taylor probably price himself out uh, for what the team's able to afford. Yeah, I think that would be – that's exactly, yeah, the way I think about the whole situation. I think both sides, the Ingram side and the Jag side, want to get something done 
Um, you know, and they've already had preliminary discussions for sure. And, you know, Juwan Taylor, good for Juwan Taylor. You should go ahead and test the market. Um, you're a young guy. This is a chance for you to make a, you know, big contract there. Go ahead and get as much as you can. And, uh, now if he's willing to take less to play there, um, well then, you know, that changes everything, but I don't see them using the franchise tag on him. I think if they use it on anybody, it would be, uh, Evan Ingram because it's much more affordable. Um, but they've got to still get some guys off the roster and some contracts redone to get under. They're 31 million over the cap. Um, and you've got to bring in, uh, some rookies as well. And then you also probably are going to sign a guy or two in free agency. It'll be those, you know, tier C or tier three guys as opposed to tier one or tier two guys. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, unlikely in my eyes, very unlikely that they bring both back Taylor and Ingram. What does that mean for Arden Key and his potential return here? Yeah, I, 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 he's a 27-year-old pass rusher who has been some pretty consistent um, the last two years. I think, uh, you know, unless he's willing to take significantly less than what the market would bear, I think he's gone because I think teams will go after him pretty hard because of his age and because of the consistency in production. It's interesting, man. Like, we were just talking about uh, up in Detroit. Like, they grabbed James Houston, I want to say, in the fourth round last year. Played 140 snaps, and he had eight sacks, right? And, like, we go crazy when Arden Key has, like, four. And I, I'm not saying he was a bad player, but, you know, I think in part it's he's held up against the other guys who aren't getting it done rushing the passer on this football team. And I think we have a tendency maybe to elevate him a little bit, or am I wrong? Um, well, he's a 27 year old pass rusher. I think that's the thing. And, and you overpay in free agency teams do. And, and, you know, look, it, it, I would not expect guys to take less to come back here. Um, I would expect maybe one guy or think one guy would be willing to take a little bit less. But if you're thinking, well, Juwan will take a little bit less or Arden Key will take a little bit less to stay so they can keep it all together. I mean, this isn't high school. Uh, those guys want to make as much money and they, as they can, and they should. And I think there are going to be teams that will go after Arden Key, and it might be hard to leave that extra money um, out there on the table if you're Arden Key. So I, that's why I don't think he'll be back. Speaking of the pass rush, D-Rock, what kind of odds do you put on Josh Allen getting an extension done at some point in this offseason? Oh, you know, like 5%. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you sign him to uh, unless you're, I guess, convinced that he can be your number two pass rusher. But then you've got to give him a number two pass rusher deal. And would Josh Allen be amenable to that? Um, but if it's me uh, and I'm the Jags, I let him play out this fifth year option. And then if he turns in that 12, 13 sack season, then we start talking about extension. Um, otherwise. You know, then if I feel like I want him back, I franchise him. Um, but I don't know that uh, I'm, I'm going to sit there and give him the kind of extension that maybe he would like at this point. So I would let it play out if I'm the Jag. Uh, would it surprise you that Pro Football Focus ranked Josh Allen as the 12th best pass rusher in the NFL this past season? Yeah, sure would. It surprised me too, but they did. Um, well, and, I mean, again, I don't know their methodology, and I'm not going to criticize them in any way because, like I said, I don't know how they look at it. But I watched every game. Well, let, let me say, let me let me let me be you, clear. Disappeared. No, I got you. Let me let me be clear. They're ranking the best edge defender, so it's taking run defense 
into account as well. It's not just purely on pass rush, but they're saying collectively um, his contributions on defense made him the 12th best or most valuable edge defender in the NFL uh, this I'll past year. I'll say this about Josh. He got a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He got close, but he didn't finish. And the bottom line is you got to finish. If you want to be a big-time player in this league and you want to be a guy that makes a ton of money, you got to finish. Um, you know, what, would, how would we look at Miles Garrett if he had the same similar numbers? We would say, eh, he's just a guy at this point. And, and, you know, he has the potential to be a much better player, but we haven't seen it consistently. But the difference is Miles Garrett finishes, and you got to finish. So um, from, the ter- from the standpoint of he got a lot of pressure on the quarterback, absolutely. And the next-gen stats kind of bear that out as well. He was among the league leaders in pressure percentage and stuff like that. But you got to finish. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's like, you know, boy, he's really close to throwing a lot of touchdown passes, but the ball just was an inch too far or was a, a foot too high. Well, got to finish. Make the completions. Make the sacks. And, and that's how you become an elite player. You, you finish. All right, D-Rock, let's wrap up a quick uh, answer to today's poll question from you. These are positions that are frequently connected with the Jaguars in mock drafts. So out of these positions, and you can factor in what you think is going to happen. Like if you think they'll get a deal done with Evan Ingram, that's going to have a bearing here. If you don't think they'll get one done with Jawan Taylor. So out of these four positions, which would you least like to see the Jaguars use the 24th pick in the draft on? Okay, The positions are offensive tackle, safety, tight end, and wide receiver. Which of those appeals to you the least? Offensive tackle. You've got a guy on your roster that you drafted in the second round last year in 2021 to be your right tackle. So um, if, if you go ahead and take an offensive tackle with that first pick, wh- where are you better at, than you were last year? You're not. You're in the same spot. And you might even be worse because there's no guarantee the kid's going to play as good as, as Juwan Taylor did. Um, so I would think that's a wasted pick if it's an offensive tackle. This is just me. I mean, that's what you drafted um, Walker Little for. So get Walker Little over there and, you know, go find you a swing tackle, either in, you know, a tier three guy in free agency or, you know, a third or fourth round pick or, heck, even a second round pick. But now that changes if they don't believe that Cam Newton or Cam Newton, Cam uh, Robinson (laughs) is not going to be available until midseason or something like that. Now, if, if that is the case, then that changes that. But I'm operating under the assumption he's going to be ready for the season opener. So I would say offensive tackle would be, to me, a wasted pick. Yeah, so am I operating under that. If they feel that, like if they knew that, I think it would change the calculus on Jawan Taylor potentially as well. Then you look at, well, all right, Cam's going to come back and you're going to have the second half of the year coming back off of injury. Is he going to be anywhere close to the guy he was? And then he's only got one more year left on the deal. You know, so... Uh, a lot of different factors would uh, come into play there. All right, uh, Mike DiRocco can be found on Twitter at ESPN DiRocco and go check out all the latest uh, work that he's posted over at ESPN.com on your Jacksonville Jaguars. DiRocco, always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you soon, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, buddy. There he goes, Mike DiRocco out the door. We'll come back and continue to the discussion straight ahead. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Both sides, the Ingram side and the Jags side, want to get something done. Um, You know, and they've already had preliminary discussions for sure. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Hard to find anybody who doesn't think the Jags will get it done with Evan Ingram right now. Mm -hmm. 
I think that includes Evan Ingram himself. Uh, so let's hope that that's the case. Look, I, I'm quite sure. I don't think the Jags are going to go, damn it. All right, what's the plan now for uh, the salary cap, right? I, I got to believe, Tony, like a lot of that heavy lifting, or at least mentally, is done already. Sure. All right, all right. Here's a bunch of different directions we go. Maybe it's dependent on if we, if we sign Evan Ingram, what's the cap hit in year one versus do we need to franchise tag him? Same with Jawan Taylor, same with Arden Key. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, okay, so let's take one from column A, one from column B, one from column C. We get Ingram done, but it's on the franchise tag. Jawan Taylor walks. We get Arden Key on a two-year X million dollar contract, right? And all right, if that's the case, how do we get under the cap to accommodate those things? Calvin Ridley's hopeful reinstatement and still leave ourselves with a little operating capital, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not like they're not going to sign any free agent this year. They just won't have a bevy of big money free yeah. agents. They'll sign a handful of, of guys, you know, to, to kind of fill in. Like Arden Key was a late signing last year. You're like, all right, we'll bring Arden Key in for $4 million bucks, And he was a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Pro Football Focus liked him quite a bit yeah. last year. Did you take a look at the uh, I did look at the, the list, rankings, yeah. right? These are the 25 best edge defenders in the NFL. So it does factor in run defense. Yep. Okay, so not just pass rush, but overall edge defender. Uh, D-Rock brought up Miles Garrett when we were talking to him. He's the number one edge defender in the league, according mm-hmm. to Pro Football Focus. Um, his pass rush grade, I think that's what's in um, – his final defensive grade, I think, is what's in parentheses. I believe so. Is that what that is? Okay. 92.5. I'm guessing that means he wins 92.5% of the snaps, right? Or doesn't... It's whatever the grade is. Whatever their grading scale is, whatever points they give, it's a 92.5. Yeah. All right. So 92.5. Micah Parsons came in second. Nick Bosa. Max Crosby. Jalen Phillips of the Dolphins at five. Uh, Josh Sweat of the Eagles. Mm -hmm. um, Had a big year. He did have a big year. But he also was kind of, you know, they're all kind of coasting off of each other, I think, up in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got four or five guys bringing the pressure like they were consistently, who do you double team, you know? So, sure. Sweat took advantage. Uh, Montez Sweat apparently had a sweat good year. Sweat Sweat. Sweating it out uh, at six and seven. Uh, he of the Washington Commanders. Daniil Hunter of the Vikings. Welcome back, bud. Yeah. Uh, Trey Hendrickson of the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick. Who was a free agent last year? Yep. One direction the Jags could have gone. Brandon Graham, another Eagles. So he got three <laughs> Eagles in the top eleven. Yeah. Grading out his edge defenders. All right. And then Josh Allen at twelve. Mm-hmm. And here's what they say. Allen has consistently improved since being a top ten pick back in twenty nineteen, most recently posting eighty two plus grades in run defense and overall while adding a seventy nine point four pass rush grade, which was seventeenth in the league, according to PFF's measurements. His impressive run defense mark ranks second at the position among those who played at least 50% of their team's run defense snaps. In other words, if you're on the field, among those who stayed on the field in early down, not just the, the third down pass rush specialist, he graded out great against the run. Mm-hmm. Did all this while playing nearly 900 defensive snaps for the Jaguars, a career high that led him to being one of the most valuable players at his position Ranking sixth in PFF WAR. WAR stands for wins above replacement. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people know that in today's 
statistically driven age of sports fandom, but not everybody does. And what that tries to delineate is what is your value above the average replacement level player? Yep. Right? Like just baseline replacement guy at the position. Josh Allen had a war of .4, which means the Jaguars won nearly half a more game simply. Like if you had a war of one, that would mean you are one win above replacement. That would mean that by playing Josh Allen as opposed to a replacement-level player, you'd win one more game outright than you would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. This is a point four. doesn't sound like a high total. Then you find out, well, it's sixth in the category. Yeah. So if you get, you know, one guy has a point four, you add all these together is how you get the value of your team. So, like, if Tyson Campbell was, let's say, it was a point eight, I don't know what his mm-hmm. score is there. So that between the two, if you've got Campbell and Allen – you're getting 1.2 more wins than you would if you played a replacement-level cornerback and a replacement-level edge rusher. Yeah, like with baseball, which is where war really came from, right? And it's a big number when you're talking about baseball statistics. It makes you have more a lot sense. more games. Right, you're playing a lot more games. You're one of nine guys in the lineup, and if you're playing every day, you're in the lineup every day. And right. you're playing a defensive Your position and defense. every day, yeah. right? Like in football, we're talking about what, 24, 25 kind of starters? Even if you call it one out of 22 with yeah. your offense-defense Like that kind of thing. So, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Mike Trout having a war of nine, right, like he's nine games better than an average replacement, it's like, wow, nine games. In, in NFL football, a defensive end that gives you a half game, that's a big number. It is a big number. Like that's a, that's a big number for Josh Allen. And looking at the list, I was surprised – that that kind of number would be that high with him. I was too, uh, which, you know, again, D-Rock, you brought up the question, could they, you know, look to get something done with Josh Allen this year? Yeah. Maybe lower his cap figure and, you know, have him around. And D-Rock thinks he's got it. you know, this is a prove-it year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if they're able to get something done. And I understand that, you know, depending on which metrics you look at, I wonder if they are looking at some of the advanced metrics and go, you know what, he's really – he he does show up, he, he plays – a lot of snaps. He plays well against the run. He does get pressure. If they truly believe sacks are not indicative of how successfully you're pressuring the quarterback, sure. right? then you could make that case that maybe uh, they're more eager to get something done than we think they would right. be. And maybe you wait to see what kind of deal Nick Most is going to get and say, look, Josh Allen is deserving of 85% of he that. You ain't getting that. Right. Yeah, I don't you even know. know if he's worth 85%, quite honestly, but I, I don't know what the market will bear. Let me just run through the rest of these, okay? Okay. So we're at 12 for Josh Allen for the best edge defenders, not just rushers. Von Miller, despite a season cut short due to injury, this is based on where he was, you know, the averages kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, he comes in 13. Greg Rousseau of the Bills comes in right behind him, so back-to-back Bills there. Josh, Josh Uche – of uh, the Patriots at 15, John Franklin Myers of the Jets is at 16, Zadarius Smith of the Vikings, TJ Watt of the Steelers. Think about that. Mm-hmm. He missed seven games, but his impact uh, coming in grading, I would say, significantly less than Josh Allen's, sure. according to Pro Football Focus. Now, uh, his sacks were way down. He had five and a half this year in 10 games. So that's, you know, coming off, what, 22, I think, the year before? Something Mm -hmm. like that? All right, Rashawn Gary, who's had a really good last couple of years, really has as a pass rusher, and then he tore his ACL uh, this year 
but he was just on the move once again. Kind of, and that was kind of a late breakout for him too, right? Like several years into his career, still a young player mm-hmm. with Green Bay. But he is at 19. Danico Autry of the Titans. Kind of the same deal. Yep, at 20. Aiden Hutchinson, oh, by the way, at 21. Demarcus Lawrence, big name there for the Dallas Cowboys at 22. Alex Highsmith of the Steelers at 23. And the reason I kept going on this list is because Arden Key came in at 24 mm-hmm. on this list. Key ended up being Jacksonville's second most productive pass rusher, according to PFF's pass rush productivity model, which combines sacks, hits, and hurries relative to how many times a player rushes the passer. His success comes even as the team spent the first overall pick on Trayvon Walker, who played significantly more snaps, and the Jags also leaned on Dwan Smoot slightly more while he was in the lineup. Key still produced top 25 marks for the position in pressure rate and win rate, landing four and a half sacks as a pass rush specialist. That's the thing with Arden Key. I understand what Duraco's saying. He's a young pass rusher. That's what he does. Now, granted, he's had 11 sacks in the last two years. Mm-hmm. It's not like he has been blowing everyone away, but he's been doing that as a part-time player. I think D-Rock's point, or part of it is, somebody out there might make him a full-time player, right? I don't think this team will, uh, not with unless they radically shift their thinking on how they're going to use Trayvon Walker. Yep. Right, and then if you think Arden Key, you could get him for I don't know what the number is, right? Like let's say it's eight million a year compared to some of the top pass rushers, and you say, you know what, we're going to double your snaps, and if you could double your output, you're well worth that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a scenario where they look to keep him, but I think that would signal a shift because if they're just going to use him as a a pass rush specialist on third down from the inside or from the edge. I don't know if you're going to be able to contend financially with what some team may lay in his lap this offseason. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I know if it was me, I'd make bringing Key back a priority. If it was me. I would. Right behind Ingram, my priority would be getting Key back. Boy, I'd like to have him back. But when I see, and I keep bringing up the Justin Houston name, when I see Justin Houston have nearly 10 sacks for $3 million bucks, mm-hmm. I wonder if you can't just go the veteran route. Be Justin Houston, Brandon Graham, any of these guys, and just ask him to play in a similar kind of circumstance and give me at least similar production to what I'm going to get out of Arden Key, probably for a more expensive total because he is only 26 years old right yeah. now. He'll turn 27 in May. Yeah, I get that. And I'm trying to balance that against, right, like Arden Key's on that list at 24. Justin Houston is considered for that list. Right, the number, the sack number is what stands out with mm-hmm. Houston, and I don't disagree with you. It's a big, it's not a small deal, right? That Justin Houston is getting eight, nine sacks, and Arden Key's getting four and a half. I don't think that's a small deal, but I that may speak as much to the group of players that he's playing on defense with uh, as much as anything else. And you know, and I think Josh Allen being that high on that list speaks to that as well. That I think those two guys were productive pass rushers who, for whatever reason, didn't have the final numbers to show it, right? Like, they didn't have the gaudy 14-sack season to say, look at this guy. Look where he's going. I I thought about it when we were talking about it when we were going to the trade trade deadline last year. Josh Allen, via trade, and, you know, some people that were turning in was like, let him go for a third-round pick, that kind of thing. You people are nuts. Like, you're nuts. You just don't see the value that he has to – teams in the league. I I think Josh Allen is a really 
productive player. He just doesn't have the sack numbers yet to show it. And the idea of bringing in a guy like Trayvon Walker was to allow him to blossom more as a pass rusher. Trayvon Walker didn't help enough. Mm -mm. Just didn't help enough in that regard. So we'll see if they can find some way to make that happen this year. I'm not sure that Arden Key's the answer to doing that, but it's more of an answer than what's available to you in free agency. All right, let's uh, get to a break here. We've got our question of the day out there from Chad and Sandy Real Estate among positions that are frequently connected with the Jaguars in mock drafts this year, which of those positions would you least like to see the Jaguars use the 24th pick in the draft on? Uh, that could be offensive tackle, safety, tight end, or wide receiver. You can vote on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL if you haven't already. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and ET. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yo, Juwan Taylor, good for Juwan Taylor. You should go ahead and test the market. Um, you're a young guy. This is a chance for you to make you know, a big contract there. Go ahead and get as much as you can. And uh, Now, if he's willing to take less to play there, um, well, then you know, that changes everything. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. As D-Rock earlier uh, with us here on the program, Mike Taraco from ESPN. You can go back and listen on demand to his interview. Our entire show will be posted uh, after we get off here uh, shortly after noon. A couple um, just on the text line wanted to check in. I got a few things we want to get to here. We'll go around the league in a second with Tony. Um, regarding our discussion of Aaron Rodgers potentially going to Tennessee mm-hmm. right, as a, an option, uh, one, Trevor's better than – Rodgers, so it'd be nice to see him come to Tennessee. It's not a question of is Trevor better. Trevor's going to be better than almost any quarterback you can name at this point. Question is, is Rodgers better than Tannehill? And with Tannehill, that team had a multi-game lead in the division last year. They were 7-3 mm-hmm. and three, and then completely collapsed and lost their last seven games, including two to Jacksonville. Does that happen? Will they lose all those games if they had Tannehill? Right. And would they have lost him if Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback? Uh, I, there's no way of knowing, but I'm going to say it would be a quarterback upgrade for Tennessee. If the standard is, well, he's not going to be better than Trevor Lawrence, why should we get him? Well, it's kind of silly. You try to get the best that you can under your circumstances and, mm-hmm. and go from there. Uh, another one, the Titans just lost Taylor Lewan. So with or without a hypothetical Aaron Rodgers to the Titans, I'm with Tony. The Jags are my pick. They didn't have Taylor Lewan. He played two games last year. Yep. They didn't lose anything. He's old, broke-down kind of player yeah. at this stage. Well, I was he's, looking at it a moment ago. He's missed 30 games the last three years. Right. He's, th- he's only 31, yeah. but he has aged very poorly. So it's not like they had him last year when they got out to a 7-3 and three start. So Taylor Luan helps them mm-hmm. by giving them a bunch of cap space. They didn't have him on the field last year. Now they have the cap space for the money that they were paying him. So – it's not like they lost. It's not like Taylor Luan was out there having one of those Pro Bowl seasons in 2022. No, they didn't really lose much of anything uh, as far as that goes. Um, somebody sent a link to a story, Ben Volan suggesting that Tom Brady might still be open to return. I think he is. I mean, look, look, there there are plenty of indications yeah. out there of reasons why. I'm not going to worry about it. No, I don't think he's ended up in the AFC South. Like I saw Pro Football Talk. This morning had an article up about maybe San Francisco finally makes a run, you know, to bring Tom Brady back to California, <laughs> like that kind of thing. It's like, okay, whatever. that would be the team, honestly. Yeah. I mean, look, especially now with Purdy, um, they, they still haven't been able to operate on him. No. Right? I mean, the longer you go, the longer you're stretching out the rehab here. And 
uh, you know, they I'm sure they feel like they're a quarterback away, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing. I don't know if Green Bay under any circumstances would trade Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco. Right, yeah. But that's a just-add-water type situation. Um, anyway, another one, we're idiots if we don't bring Key back. I'm sure they're going to try. Yeah. Okay? What What if somebody offers Arden Key $10 million a year? Are you idiots for not giving a guy who had four and a half sacks $10 million a year? I don't know that you are if you're not going to make him a full-time player. So, you know, I'm sure the desire to have Arden Key back in the fold is strong with this team. You sure. Know? Sometimes there's a financial reality aspect of it. Uh, don't know. Well, can't wait till they start, you know, we start either Arden Key starts taking visits somewhere or he gets a deal done before free agency opens up. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be one of those type situations. And I think once he gets – if you get to the visit stage, you're a foot and a half out the door. Yeah. At at this point, if you're a 26 year old pass rusher looking to cash in really for the first time in your career. All right, let's let Tony Smith take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. As you alluded to a moment ago, the Tennessee Titans have released four players. Left tackle Taylor Lewan, wide receiver Robert Woods, kicker Randy Bullock, and linebacker Zach Cunningham. The cuts will save the Titans $38 million in cap space and $42.2 million in cash. The New Orleans Saints have reworked the contract of right tackle Ryan Ramchek to create $10.3 million in cap space, so the wizardry with the cap begins. Uh, there for the New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis has signed cornerback Kevin Tolliver II. Tolliver, a Jacksonville native and Trinity Christian graduate, hasn't played since 2020 after being released by both the Baltimore Ravens last May. New England Patriots safety Devin McCourty, who has spent his entire 13-year career with the Pats, told the Patriots Report podcast that he will make a decision about whether or not to continue playing or retire by early March in Netflix with production help from NFL Films and Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions will debut a series titled Quarterback this summer. The series will feature Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota on and off the field. All right, which reminds me, I just finished watching uh, Fiscal 100 mm-hmm. this week. The, I finished uh, it yesterday, yeah, yeah. Ninth and final episode, and uh, not who I thought would win. No, yeah. But it was I, I would be dead. Uh, oh I mean, well, they were like, when they completed the final challenge, it yeah. was just like, let me just lay here. Yeah, CrossFit now. dude won. Yeah. Good for him. Oh, you spoiled it. Yeah. You spoiled it right there. <laughs> what, now if somebody's watching, they'll go, what if it's the bicyclist that wins the whole thing? He did very well as well. He did. Uh, all right, a couple of quick things here. One, I, I saw somebody talking about, uh, I guess it was on Pro Football Talk, that the Packers are raising ticket prices like 2 to 6% across the board. Um so I, I wanted to look up I just where the Jags stand in terms of ticket pricing and game day experience. Mm-hmm. Don't take this as gospel, okay? But this was a story I found in Newsweek uh, from last November where they basically went through every team. They took the average ticket price, what it cost to buy one 16-ounce beer, one hot dog plus parking, and what was the game day total uh, for that team. Most expensive game day under those conditions, was the Raiders, right? New stadium in Vegas. Um, the resale value on, on the secondary market for those tickets was crazy. Mm-hmm. But the average ticket price face value was $153, which is pretty significantly the highest in the league, yeah. right? 139 for San Fran, 131 for New England. Then, you know, you're getting down to the 120s. And it drops off pretty quickly. 
total of $273 parking in Vegas, $100. Okay. Mm-hmm. Parking in Jacksonville, $20 on average. Uh, Jags tied for the lowest parking fee in the league. Uh, their hot dog, according to this, $6.25. Uh, your experience may vary. I don't know. I think this is just for your basic no frills hot dog. Uh, cheapest I see on here is three bucks for the Carolina Panthers. Raiders were charging eight dollars for the honor of eating a hot dog. <laughs> right? The the Bears charges seven dollars and twenty five cents for a hot dog. Okay. Um, what about the sixteen ounce beer? Oh, Jags are a little pricey on the sixteen ounce beer. This looked the highest fourteen dollars and sixty seven cents. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. For the Eagles, why not seventeen seventy six Philadelphia? Yeah, right. I mean, you're 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 in the ballpark. I'm sure that's your goal. <laughs> One sixteen ounce beer is fifteen bucks plus Whoa. tax. Ugh, uh, if you are in Philadelphia, uh, the Jags is eleven dollars and fifty cents. The ones around them eight thirteen six fifty nine. So there are a lot of teams below them in cost of uh, the average. What's 16 the cheapest ounce beer? beer? Uh, the cheapest beer, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, $8, 625 in Atlanta. Remember, we looked at Atlanta, had mm-hmm. had a bunch of low prices, 750 625 in Detroit. Uh, so it looks like 625 okay. is tied for the lowest. Here's where the Jags really stick it to you. Lowest average ticket price in the NFL. I'm being facetious. They're not sticking it to you. They have the lowest ticket price in the NFL at, on average, $81, right? Everything included. Now, granted, you want to sit down low, you got to pay more than that. Yeah. You want to sit up high, you might pay less than that. And that that is just a little over half of what the Raiders' average ticket price is. So, were the Raiders on the high end, their game day experience, again, ticket, beer, hot dog, parking, 273 That's for one person, $273. Now, you know, you can double up on parking and all that. Yeah. Jaguars, 118.82. Now, I'm not saying that's inexpensive. No, yeah. Unless you're Jalen Rose who thinks $100 should be the standard for a haircut. <laughs> you see that? I did, yeah. What the hell? $100, you rich clown, <laughs> for a haircut on average. Even E.T. downvoted that one uh-huh. over there. And I'm sure, I think E.T.'s average... Ask should be about two hundred bucks. Yeah, but his haircut ain't even all that. You talking about some? You should be paying your barber a hundred now. Granted, sure, like for barbers, that's a good thing. You know, so yeah, sure. If you're gonna pay a hundred dollars for a haircut, pay right. A, but bro, you a clown. The bro. only the only <laughs> person I saw supported Jalen like in a whole Twitter thread that posted the little video of him saying that was a woman who's like, that's right, my daughter styles hair, and da-da-da. I'm like, shut up. You, you goofy, too. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> uh, 100 bucks on average for a haircut. Like a now, men's haircut. What would you charge if, if Dom Capers had come in and said, <laughs> E, fix me up. Make me look 30 years younger. Uh, oh, yeah. Would you have just refused the business, or would you have just said, hey, let me get that shellac out and, yeah, and, yeah. and put that tar on your hair? I'm going to take him to the shampoo bowl real quick. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Shampoo it out, put some conditioner in there, wash out all that color, and then we're going to start from there. We're going to start from there. Yeah. And you're going to try to make him look younger maybe with the style of the cut. Yeah, I'm going to give him a little fade or whatever. You're not going to go with the dark, deep black. No, nah, nah, that ain't you, man. Dom, that, By that, the way, that's not you. Somebody went through and found – other past instances, like years ago instances of Dom Caper showing up at an introductory press conference and people were like, 
Uh, what's up with the hair? Like, <laughs> oh, the yeah, it's like there's at least one. The furthest back was t- 2016, and it was the same thing. Like, uh, hey Dom, uh, you know that looks real natural. <laughs> right. Like, so I guess this is his his thing. Shtick. His shtick. Right? His wig. Like yeah. we all know, bro, yeah. your hair ain't pitch black. Yeah. It's okay. And nobody cares. Yeah. People get older. You be it's, bald. Or, it's okay. Or, or balding or whatever. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody cares. Nope. Right. Unless your online dating profile is having more success now. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what Dom's situation is. I imagine he's married uh, with plenty of grandchildren at mm. this point. Mm. But what do I know? All right. Uh, let's come back. Take a look at the Jaguars today. Question of the day. Which of these positions that we listed for you would you least like the Jags to spend the 24th pick in the draft on? And those positions are offensive tackle, safety, tight end, and wide receiver. And we'll debate and discuss on the other side. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T., you should tip E.T. 100 bucks. That's a different story, right? But the cut should be like 30 35 I think. And then, and then be generous with the tip. That's fine. I don't want to be compelled to give you $100 for going buzz, 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 and I'm out of the chair in 10 minutes. So, all right, there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll come back with the Jaguars today. Question of the day straight ahead on 1010XL 92.5 FM. More Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, this is annoying to me. Have they stopped putting the little Jaguar logo when you hashtag Duval on Twitter? It appears that, like they have. I got to go back and figure out when that uh, that kicked in. I'm looking at my last, I don't know, half dozen questions of the day, and I'm not seeing it. Like, I, I don't understand that. It's like mm-hmm. they'll take it off, like, once a certain, a certain, like once the season passes, then right. they'll add it back on. Man, just leave it on. Just there, leave man. it there. Like, does it cost them more to generate that? I, I really don't know the end. Like, I don't. So you look past your the past few questions, and it's not because I felt like it's been there. So no, I'm well. I'm, I'm scrolling through my own timeline yeah. here, as I want to do, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm going back to like last Friday's uh, poll between uh, Jan, Jalen, or neither. I feel like it was there then. So maybe well, when they maybe deactivate it. it comes I don't know. Off? It just know. it takes it away, or or what the deal is. I don't know how far Ooh. back I'd have to go to find it, but I'm uh, I'm not pleased. I like that little <laughs> Jaguar head logo on there. Anyway, uh, it's not on there uh, for today's question of the day. But uh, here is the question of the day, and then let's weigh in on it. Among positions that are frequently connected with the Jaguars in mock drafts. Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day asks, which of these positions would you least like to see the Jaguars use the 24th pick in the draft on? And the positions are offensive tackle, safety, tight end, and wide receiver. And I think we would agree that we see plenty of instances of all those being mm-hmm. mocked to the Jags, along with corner, who, you know, that which, you know, a position that we don't think too many people would have an issue with that the Jags uh, go get a corner at 24. So, Tony. Uh, let's uh, fire up the old 1010 take and see what we think. 1010. 1010 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 take brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, I'll go uh, I'll go last today. Uh, okay. Give the floor to you, Tony Smith. Offensive tackle, safety, tight end, wide receiver. Which of those is the least appealing to you based on, in part, what you think they'll get accomplished in free agency? Yeah, I think with their position on the offensive line right now would be offensive tackle. Would okay. be the one that frustrates me the most. In part because the players that are being discussed at safety potentially for them there at number 24 are guys that have enough position flexibility that they're kind of viewed 
as guys that could play slot corner for you so you can get them on the field that way and Jenkins only being under control for one more year. But those are the kind of players that are being talked about with the Jags at safety. They're at number 24, and I think, you know, tight end and wide receiver I think are both reasonable. Okay. You know, even with Ingram coming back. But so you go off tackle, tackle number one, yeah, least yeah, and that's desirable. Even, you know, if they didn't bring back Jawan Taylor, I'd still – Offensive tackle would be the least appeasing to me of those four. Okay, uh, ET, what do you say? Don't mess with that safety position at twenty-four. I think we're fine at safety right now. Tony mentioned that Jenkins is uh, he won't be here potentially after next year. I ain't worried about next year. I'm worried about right now. And whoever we draft at twenty-four is going to be playing right now. And I think that we're fine at that safety position right now. So. That's the question. I, honestly, at all those positions, safety. If you bring in the right guy who can play nickel might be the position that plays the most out of any of these this uh, year. Think about it. If you draft a wide receiver there, right, right for this year, pretty reasonable to think they could be on the bench for a good portion, right, between it's Calvin true. Ridley and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Tight end, if you got Evan Ingram back, I mean, how many tight ends made much of a mark beyond Evan Ingram? Nobody, really, this year. Uh, offensive tackle, presumably, not going to start over Little or Cam Robinson, even if Juwan Taylor's gone. So, Dang. I, I just, you know, came in with those famous Dempsey elbows that me and O'Brien described. I'm just, that's my point no, of view. I'll say, for me, it's tight end because I think they do get it done with Ingram and they didn't, you know, everyone, oh, Doug Peterson knows how to use two tight ends. Sure. When he didn't have a thousand yard receiver on his team, right? And when he had like Alshon Jeffrey was like an 850 yard guy, which is fine. You got Christian Kirk, who's a thousand yard guy. You're, I'm sure, hoping that Calvin Ridley becomes that. Evan Ingram himself was 700 plus yards last year. To me, it, this is presuming Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram gets out of here, mm -hmm. right? They don't franchise tag him and he signs somewhere else. That probably goes to the top of the list as the most desirable mm -hmm. position among these here. Um, I would say tight end at the top. I actually don't hate the idea that if Jawan Taylor leaves, if they have a tackle that they like, that they think is ready to start in 2024, and this is the time you can get him in, get him into your system, get Phil Rauscher's hands on him, right? We saw what a great job he did with that offensive line. I think it's very plausible that Cam Robinson's gone after the 2023 season, right? And so in that scenario, could I see them drafting their left or right tackle of the future and going with that player and Walker Little as the combo and this player being the swing tackle for this year, I don't think that's that terrible a combination. So I'll disagree with you on that, Tony. I, I've come around a little bit on the safety thing. A pure safety, if, if it's what E.T.'s talking about, if it's just a guy who's going to back up Rayshon Jenkins or Cisco, I don't want that either, mm -hmm. right? But if you're like, if Brian Branch can come in here and be your nickel corner for a year and then – Maybe you move on from Rayshon after another season and he becomes a starter. That's a little bit of a different story. But that, that to me, is almost cheating-y. I think you're right. If you're talking about pure, pure safety. safety. Yeah, that's what I was – Yes, if yep. it's a, but the, the, because of – you might get a guy who is listed as a safety who can play and help you out right now and grow into an even larger role. Mm -hmm. I think that guy, out of all those positions, could end up being the most impactful – this year, yeah, right that now, athlete. That do we have, do we use that the athlete designation? We'll just call him athlete, right? Uh -huh. And then that, that's what when with the guys coming out of high school that you don't know what to do <laughs> with like them, athlete. right? Yeah. Athlete, he's just yeah. an athlete. Those kind of guys, and I think you know, putting this poll up and thinking about it uh, this morning, even with the four options they had there, 
none of them would really bother me. Right? Like, none of these are like, what are they thinking? You know, like none of them have like that reaction. Tight end would me. bother me a little bit. It would. If if Ingram gets like a three-year deal or better. I think there are tight ends that they would draft that it would bother. It depends on the tight end, right? Like I honestly think if it's Mayer, it makes some sense to me because Mayer can be on the field whenever you want him to be on the field. Mm-hmm. From the moment he gets here because he does, of the guys that they've talked about being in the first round this year, he does block, right? So he can be the inline blocker. He can take all the man hurt snaps that he had last year, which is basically like 40% of the offensive snaps. Okay, so Meyer gets all those. He gets all the snaps that Dan Arnold would have got, right, last year. So that puts him on the field for about half the snaps. And if you want to keep him beyond that, just in packages, whatever, maybe you do more two tight end packages because your second tight end is Mayer. Like, I can understand – like, I can see that in the way it would work with him specifically. I think like a Kincaid – doesn't make a much as much sense to me he's, because he's, he's the Ingram split type. guy, yeah. right? So I think there is a tight end that would make sense to me in that moment. And it's kind of like the safety thing. There are safeties that are talked about with that versatility. Those guys make sense to me. Right. Pure safety pure doesn't safety, make sense to me. Yeah, pure safety would probably be top on the list. Too. Yeah, and that's what we just said safety, and that got the most votes. So Et, you're in uh, good company there yeah. with thirty one point five percent. This is a pretty balanced poll as it turned out uh 26.9 percent agree with Tony that offensive tackle would be the least um favorable position out of the four we listed 21.9 went with wide receiver 19.8 went with tight end so they're saying that would be their their favorite position I just uh, disagree on the premise that Evan Ingram's back even under the franchise tag it would change but on a multi-year deal I think they're going to get a multi-year deal I do too worked out with Evan Ingram sometime before the draft whether that's before or after they need to apply the franchise tag or not, it may be a different story. But anyway, if you haven't voted, that poll will be up there until tomorrow morning, and we'll look at the final results then. Uh, right now, let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Big Sirs in the house. Hello, Leon. Gentlemen, how are you? how you doing? We're very well. Um, uh, Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, is there a position, <clears throat> like we see a lot of positions linked to the Jags with the 24th pick, mm-hmm. right, in these mock drafts. Yep. Cornerback comes up frequently. Yep. Uh, offensive tackle, right? Safety, uh, tight end, and wide receiver. I I think are the five most frequently mocked positions to mm-hmm. the Jaguars there. Is there one of them that you go, I don't know why they would spend the 24th pick in the draft on that? I don't know. Is Jacksonville in a position where we can go best available? Uh, I don't are know. We, are, are we are we there yet? I don't think so. But I don't think you go reaching to fill a need mm-hmm. either, right? I mean, true, true, true. I think generally you're going to yeah. have guys that are like I think, close enough together. Anyway. Well, yeah, I, think well. yeah, I think outside of corner, yeah, I think outside of corner, yeah, outside Leon, corner, yeah. I don't know that their needs line up with what's going to be available at 24. Okay, necessarily because it would be more. Pass rush, interior pass rush, especially. Yeah, that's not exactly what's going to be available elite to you there. Out there for interior pass rush or D tackle. Uh, probably not at probably that not, spot not in, at that in the spot, round. Right in that round. Yeah. 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 Uh, outside the corner. Ooh. So, so are you a let's take the best player available regardless of position guy? Well, it depends on why we do a free agency. Who okay. we sign, who we bring aboard. You know, at that particular point, and we fill out some of the voids that we may need some of the urgent voice that we may need in free agency, then maybe we're in a position come to draft where 
we see a guy say, we got to take this guy. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be able someone's to going fill to everything Someone, Someone's agency. going to tumble. Oh, Someone sure. always tumbles. Well, well that's what we've been talking about B. John Robinson, the running back out right. of Texas. Everyone ranks him as a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance he's sitting there at 24. And I know you got ETN. You don't have much behind it. And, uh, and, not, not at all. And if you think this guy's the next Saquon Barkley, and he's sitting – and, and, I, and I, I wouldn't know how the Jags grade him, but if the Jags grade him as the eighth best player in the draft, and, they're there, and he's there at 24, I think you better strongly consider it at least. Yeah, you, you got Pollard and Zeke. Now, Zeke's, Zeke is a little long in the tooth. But, but, but that you showed got, you the exactly, value the of value, extending absolutely. both of their values there. Exactly. Anyway, it's look, uh, we got a ways to go. We do. We'll continue to ask all this these hypotheticals. This is the fun part. This is the fun it part. Is. It is. And then we'll we'll crush them for whoever they took. Exactly. Uh, what do you got coming up today? <laughs> we're going to talk about the, we're gonna talk about the draft. Oh, how about that? Imagine <laughs> that. that it's, a, it's pretty uh, much Hey, a I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Do you prefer draft or bottled beer? Um, if you're at the bar and you're chilling, Mike's a neither type of guy. No, no. If it, if it's if it's like fresh the, on tap, because the impression AET is the impression is that brothers, we don't drink bottled beer. We drink no, we drink bottled beer. Is that the impression? Beer. Well, that's listen. That's what was in the, the meeting. The meeting we. The, oh, was it? Yeah, it was that. Well, then uh, apparently the, the that's the impression of that show prime the, time. The, the <laughs> assumption was that I, because I'm a brother, I drink bottle, I don't drink grass. Well, yeah. if I based it on ET, I'd assume that you just drink Hennessy. No. That, yep. Yeah. That's correct. They did say that too. They say we drink liquor. Oh, yeah, well. I do. I don't drink beer. Well, well, yeah, sure. I do too, though. Well, that, that, I, I hardly ever. But if I'm going to, if I can get an ice cold, fresh beer on tap, it's, it's better than a bottle of beer, I think. Absolutely. But it's got to be cold, cold. Cold, like, the, the I, I mug want, has got to be cold. I don't want the that, like, gonna... room temperature. Pour, right. Like, I no, no. Otherwise, give me a cold bottle right. of beer. Either I'll be happy with either one, quite okay. frankly. All right. You but, know, whatever one's cheaper. The Hennessy on the rock. Hennessy on the rock. splash of cold. Crown Royal and ginger well, ale, man. That's that's me. Side. You know, does that make me fancy? I don't think so. <laughs> you know? That's just what I like. Drink hey. what you like or don't drink at all. I don't there care what you do. Leon, have a good show, buddy. All right, there you go. Again, safety leading the way for the position that you would least like to see the Jags use the 24th pick in the draft on and and again in the abstract of that's exactly what he plays there's a guy you're going to put on the bench for a year basically behind Rayshon Jenkins then mm-hmm. yeah I would vote for that as well but I you know we've talked about a guy like Brian Branch having a little bit more versatility might change the calculus all right that'll do it for us today thanks to Mike DiRocco for stopping by from ESPN uh, you can go back and listen at your leisure go to the 1010xl.com website and uh, check out the on-demand section and uh, listen back to D-Rock or any other uh, great guests that we have here on 1010XL. That'll do it for us. Tom McManus will join us in studio tomorrow. For Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. Have a great day from all of us here at Jaguars today, and stick around for XL Primetime on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville. It was always the Jags.